0: Coming to get you, Barbara. Here's some money. Go see a Star Wars.
1: But I'm trying, Rego. I'm trying real hard to be the shepherd.
0: Welcome back to Long Walk Talks. My name is David Hensley. I am the owner and creative director of Long Walk Productions, and I am joined, as always, by my two co-hosts. Stan Wilson-Lee.
2: I'm actually in shorts.
0: And Chris Wilson-Barnes.
2: They say misery (laughs) loves company.
0: Uh, That explains this podcast. So, I just want to give our listeners a warning right now. It is that magical time of year in South Carolina once again, where it is hot as balls outside. It's awesome. We are in a small studio where it gets very warm. So uh, the air conditioner is running, and you're probably going to hear some background noise, and I'm not sorry for it.
2: I thought you were going to warn everyone that Stan was in shorts. (laughs) Well, (laughs) that was going to be my second
0: warning. Don't bury the lead. (laughs) All right. So today we are going to be continuing our discussion of the View Askewniverse with the film Clerks 2, directed by Kevin Smith and released in 2006. And it follows uh, probably Smith's second favorite duo, Dante and Randall, first obviously being Jay and Silent Bob, as they are forced to leave their jobs at the Quick Stop and RST video after a fire and go to work for Movies fast food and shenanigans ensue.
2: No, shenanigans is a different restaurant.
0: Stop it. And uh, that's... Uh, I don't really know how to describe the plot of this film. This is one of those things like we talked about with the cartoon. This is one of those things where you can't really describe it without like, you either have to give a general overview of the movie or you have to go beat by beat. There is no in between. Uh, so let's start off with our first topic, which is the, this movie is basically a 90 minute sitcom. Kind of. I mean, it feels to me like three episodes of a standard television show just edited together. Stan, do you have any thoughts on that?
3: Um, sure, I mean, because it, it is broke up into three distinct sections, it appears, and uh all of them could be uh episodic in a sense, and they could run a whole arc you know in thirty minute episodes. so yeah, sure, why not you know um it, it could have been three episodes of the animated series, you know, if, if they went that route, you know
0: I suppose uh, at ninety seven minutes it's more like four episodes Well, four episodes, yeah. yeah. Chris, what are your thoughts on that?
2: I think in 97 Minutes, it's his uh, trimest movie ever. Yeah. Yep.
0: And he uses the time well. He does, yes. Um, As I was trying to describe to these guys earlier today, I feel like part of the reason I've been so frustrated with this Viewers Universe experience so far is I feel like that's the Clerks 2 experience is what I was expecting from everything else before it and the fact that the other films were so different than this is jarring to me. Um, this is clerks to his peak Kevin Smith, in my opinion, in this weird, almost sitcom format. Like you could break this down into a very special episode in which Randall learns a thing or two about racism (laughs) or a very special musical episode in which Dante learns to dance. True that. And, um, a, an episode where Randall and Elias spend 22 minutes arguing about Lord of the Rings versus Star Wars.
2: You can say what you want about Jesus, but leave the rings out of this, right?
0: <laughs> oh man, was, that that was really it for as far as the first topic goes. I was just shocked watching it again last night and uh, realizing, wow, if Kevin Smith had stuck to the television format, yeah, you would have lost some things in translation to television. Um, but as we saw with the cartoon, he could pull it off. Like, yeah, we probably couldn't have a donkey show.
2: Hey, hey, interspecies erotica. <laughs> interspecies erotica. But I
0: feel like, as a whole, like this movie could work on network TV. Sure.
2: Just minus a lot of the swearing. Uh, I believe I saw, when I was looking up stuff about it, I don't know if it was, I think it was the New York Times, the review... The review blurb from it says a a uh, a movie with a filthy mind but a great heart, mm-hmm. and it's true. I it's agree, absolutely true. I agree.
0: And I would say ninety percent of that heart comes from our second topic of discussion: Is Rosario Dawson the best thing to happen to the viewers' universe? Stan,
3: we talked about this earlier. Uh, she's the best thing to happen to any universe to me. For, and we were going through all the stuff that she's been in and she's been basically in every...
0: Yeah, she's the connective tissue for every nerd's universe. Yeah,
3: And uh, and I think she's made all of them, all those universes, better places Mm -hmm. to be um, by her appearance and by her spirit. Because every time she appears, it's like she is having the most fun, that she's having the most heart, like you guys are saying. And it's like... It's just, yeah, I, I, I think she does elevate, um, I mean, she elevates the character, the two uh the Dante and Randall character. she elevates them to a new place where they hadn't expected to go, and I mean she elevates, she elevates everything, every scene that she's in, and mm-hmm. it, I think, yeah, I think
2: she does.
0: Chris, what are your thoughts on
2: I think she's a good addition because she always seems to pick projects that she just enjoys and just, uh, yeah. she doesn't chase after any sort of role that's like to elevate a profile. It's mostly to, she's like, yeah, this is cool. I'll do this.
0: I feel like her presence somehow adds a legitimacy to the movie. Yes. And this is coming off of movies that have like star power like Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. Yeah. Um, at, in 2006, Rosario Dawson still wasn't a big household name, but just like you said, Stan, the energy that she brings to this movie, like you said, it elevates it, I yeah. think. Um, you put her in the same scene. She with, wasn't
2: a huge star, but this, was this the thing she did right after Men in Black 2? Oh gosh, so, that's right. She's in that That's <laughs> right? Yeah, I forgot she was in Men in Black too. This when was Men in Black two was like two thousand four, I think, right? Two thousand
0: three or four, yeah. yeah. Um, and this was right after Sin City Sin as City. well. That's, that's when true. I first became aware so, of yeah, her. Yeah, she.
2: So her. That's probably why her name got thrown into the mix to be to be Becky. Mm-hmm. that uh, so those things probably raised her profile, and yeah, I think what you're saying is absolutely true.
0: There was a point near the end of the movie. Um, where uh, Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen this movie, it's 15 years old at this point, so we're going to be talking about spoilers, frankly. But there was a point at the end where Dante proposes to her, and she climbs into the front seat of his car and starts making out. From the drive through window. From the drive through window, yeah. extra impressive. <laughs> and I was watching this and thinking, what was Brian O'Halloran's thought process as this was happening? The man who had been in a handful of movies <laughs> was... I don't think you could really call him like a professional actor at this point, honestly, as suddenly...
2: He is. (laughs) I mean, okay,
0: but it'd be like any one of us being put into a car and told, in this scene, Rosario Dawson (laughs) is going to be making out with you.
3: Well, Randall has that... (laughs) Ask that question, basically. Yeah, has he does. Where he's like, "How do you do that?"
0: But just like, yeah, outside of the context of the movie, just on a meta level, I I just wonder what it was like for Brian O'Halloran His and direction. Jeff Anderson to suddenly have like, to be up up there with a in in the same scene with an A-list star. Yeah, I just imagine it had to have been jarring for the two of them.
3: And I don't know if you remember. Well, you, I'm sure you guys noticed because you guys are bright. Guys, but uh We're bright at, young men. As bright that young men, when when he when she climbs into the car from the drive-through, Elias is behind. Oh yeah, no, he's...
1: <laughs> yay! Yeah,
2: my hands are raised up. Meanwhile, there are cars behind them going. Yeah, what the <laughs> yeah. fuck is happening? Elias
3: is oh, joyfully. If... True. It's like, yeah, he loves this moment. If yeah. I was in one of the
0: cars behind them, I would not care how happy this moment was. I'd be like, can I you get, get the fuck out of the way and get me my McMovie like sandwich? what's
2: <laughs> happening? Oh, I, I think the guy in the drive-thru proposed to the girl. Well, that's great. I need my fucking burger. I need my burger. Yeah, I have to get over. back to work. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, we were talking about how, how great Jeff Anderson and Brian O'Halloran are especially yeah. when you compare it to their earlier performances mm-hmm. and maybe that's what it was that like they had to step up their game.
2: Yeah. Oh, that's a 100% what happened. I listened to the commentary and they talked about when Rosario Dawson joined the mix. Um oh, everyone and everyone I I just started doing their absolute best and step themselves up on yeah. And yeah.
3: everybody in the cameos had already, you know, Ben Affleck had grown. Affleck. Uh, <laughs> ben Affleck, um, uh, Jason Lee had already had boosted his profile in, in films, and I think he had already started. He had start, done. My name is Earl.
2: He was by he, that time, he wasn't he? Stopped in on a day off from my name. My name is Earl. to yeah. do that so cause he was apparently already. that character he played, Lance Douds? Yes. Dowds, yeah. yeah. Lance Dowds, He was, it was supposed to be Matt Damon, but it was a scheduling conflict, and he couldn't be there.
3: Yeah so everybody had every so it's like these were the two the two leads were the ones that weren't oh, known. no so it's like they had to boost everything for everybody else if, but Rosario Dawson I think I I I totally agree that she's the one that
0: If I was either one of them and Kevin Smith told me, oh, and by the way, Rosario Dawson is going to be in this with you, and I looked at the script and saw all my scenes with her, I'd be Googling how to get an MFA in acting. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) How fast can you get an MFA in acting?
3: Uh,
0: Yes, she is delightful.
3: Um, And and there's not one moment in her stuff where, and, and, and we talked about this earlier, too, it's like in any of her stuff where she's playing on the knowledge that she is the best. And, the, you know, she's just so real and natural and just, you know, downright joyful to be in the movie. Even and,
0: even when okay. she is handed like the sitcom soap opera type stuff, Dante, I'm pregnant. It still <laughs> feels natural. Yeah. Yeah.
3: She's wonderful. Yes. I totally agree with you that she it. I'm, and I think everybody else in that movie involved in that film, Mosier, Smith, uh, Muse, I think they all said, yeah, we just, we just raised our own bar. So it's like, um, if we had a bar to raise, we rose it.
0: We have four more topics to discuss, and I'm just going to throw them all out. We're just going to spend no, the next I,
3: okay. 80 I do minutes actually talking
0: talk about, about this movie. No, no, no. We're going to spend the next right, 80 minutes talking about how great Rosario Dawson
2: is. You're going to talk about that. She's my wife, my you phone know. Like she's you one of my first wives. Work.
0: Um all right, so we will move on. We'll probably continue we'll take every topic as an excuse to gush about Rosario <laughs> of Dawson. Will. Um, but my next note/topic slash of discussion is uh sober Jay is much better than regular Jay. <laughs> yeah. And also this is the perfect amount of Jay. Mm-hmm. After two films in which he and Silent Bob were the leads. Dogma's arguable, but they're definitely leads.
2: There, there, it was more than usual in Dogma.
0: Yeah, it was more than usual. and then Because
2: it was a serious step up from one scene in Chasing Amy.
0: Yeah, and then Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back comes along, and they are the main characters. So to put them in the background again, I feel like really works in this film's favor, because this is them at their best.
3: I, I, I agree. I agree.
0: Um, I don't know if I could have handled... Old Jay doing the goodbye horses scene. <laughs> I just feel like the energy would have just made it so much more obnoxious. But something about sober Jay is endearing. Mm-hmm. Is that weird?
2: No, because sober Jay, a, a knows how to play a stoner.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and yep.
2: B is also sober, so he's hitting his marks and and hitting it and getting it right.
0: Yeah. He also only says, I can't remember which of the catchphrases it is, whether it was Snoogans or Snoochie Boochies or what. He only says it once in the entire film.
2: Yeah.
0: And I was like, oh, I think he does God. the
2: nom. The, at the beginning,
3: I think after he, the that's song. Right. Yeah.
0: And, yeah. yeah, Yeah. But he
3: has a new one with the, oh.
0: <laughs> a new catchphrase, yeah.
3: <laughs> and it's so appropriate.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, that's it. We're just kind of blasting through <laughs> topics. This is not like we're watching Cinco's well, list. Or I know
2: something. I, I put in the group chat uh, based on the opening of the store. I would never ever want to eat at that movie's even if they weren't putting things in my order. Yeah, um, they. It's like I, I, they, despite knowing like Dante and Randall are Randall especially. It's like without even knowing that. It's like you watch the opening. No one has gloves on when they're prepping anything. No. <laughs> but does that ever happen? At least and fast at food. the very, they wear gloves. With the exception of,
3: you know, <laughs> last year. You know. They wear gloves. Yeah,
0: okay. they're supposed to at least. <laughs> of course, movies like had a weird layout. When I am inside of a fast food restaurant, yeah. I'm really not paying attention to where my food is being assembled yeah most fast food places you can't look past the counter and watch them putting your food together whereas with movies it's almost like you're getting dinner in a show they could you know, literally in some cases in this movie yeah. customers were, were getting dinner in like, a there show
2: <laughs> position like in like where, where, where the midway point between the counter and the door would be who could talk to people at the prep station
0: yeah, very strangely laid out fast food joint.
2: On top of that, the hours are weird based on everything that happened. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah, we're going to get there. Um, but first, we're going to talk about a very important but discussion that's, topic. That's
3: 14 hours with Rosario Dawson. Just oh that. <laughs> We'll get there. So
2: He's getting there. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
0: Answer me this. How, in the name of God, does Dante Hicks keep getting women <laughs> It was one thing in the first movie where he had a steady girlfriend and was going uh, to leave her for his ex-girlfriend. Now all of a sudden he is engaged with a woman who appears to be wildly in love with him who has apparently gotten her family to agree to give him a house. Give him a house and, and a, a franchise, yeah. a car wash franchise. But he's also in love with his boss, who it's worth pointing out is (laughs) Is Rosario Rosario fucking Dawson, (laughs) who let him have um, unprotected unprotected sex sex with her. (laughs) How the fuck? And I wrote this around. I wrote this note uh, around the time Randall actually asks him (laughs) in the film. It's like I was connecting with the movie on a deep level. I was like, how the fuck does Dante keep getting women? Like, yes, he is a likable character, and Brian O'Halloran is a very charismatic actor, but Dante, like, as a person, does not seem like the type who should be getting all these women.
3: Him and Becky... Oh, Becky's played by Rosario Dawson, uh, his boss. um, uh, they, They actually have a conversation about him being, you know... How do I, the fugly guy, get somebody like you? The word chud is thrown away. <laughs> and, and three times. Yeah. <laughs> in
0: true comedic fashion, Dante either refers to himself or is called an a, ugly a fucking, fucking chud. chud. Yep. Three times. <laughs> which stands for cannibalistic humanoid mm-hmm. underground yeah, dwellers, if you are uh, not aware.
3: Which is also a great movie, by the way. Just like, you
0: know. So what is it about Dante. Like where is the magnetism? Where is the sex appeal? What? Uh, this is it. This is where the I, podcast falls apart. I, I, I ask I, a hard hitting question. Oh. It,
3: it, it's like, uh, I mean, Kevin Smith asks the same thing about himself and Jennifer uh, Jennifer, Jennifer Strawback, yeah, you know, who plays the fiance in this, you know. So it's like, so I, I'm not sure if there is an answer. I think I guess Kevin Randall's Smith is, is
2: mouthpiece and Dante's yeah. is incredible. Un- fathomable luck with women charisma yeah
3: <laughs> um and That's i think fair. that might be he he might have uh the looks of you know whatever but his charisma is like a 18 well, also, you know also, and, he, and he and he rolls 20s nat- natural
2: 20s for every every uh savings throw for charisma also i would say that i mean you know uh Dante is clearly someone who wants to be a people pleaser when he wants something. Yeah, <clears throat> and he's very eager to please when he when he tries. And
0: so. to Brian O'Holloran's credit, he is not a bad looking dude. No, <laughs> the uh, calling him an ugly fucking chud isn't is unfair. Um, I think I may have answered my own question though, because in thinking about it. Dante is a very different character when he's separated from Randall
2: yes yes
0: he functions like an adult in all of the scenes in this movie because in the first clerks I don't think we ever really see Dante separated from Randall
2: no but here we get to see him interacting with other people especially Becky in the beginning
0: yeah we see him interact with Becky several times and we see him interact with Emma his fiance, mm-hmm. and all the times when he is not with Randall He is a very different person.
2: Yeah. I think the the thing with that is, like, he's around Randall. Since they've known each other since childhood, he just falls back into those patterns. And you're right, he's just a different person.
0: That realization makes the ending much more sadder to me. (laughs) That he and Randall are going to be essentially together forever now.
3: Yeah. But with Becky there. Yeah. Becky and their son. Or their.
2: Uh, child. I feel know. like there's a good argument both ways about how that goes. Yeah. And and the fact that Randall ends up
3: he totally approves of Becky. Yeah. You know which is kind of new in there and you know it's like it's really hard for him to approve of of uh, Dante's women. Mm-hmm. You know and so to get for him to get to that point as well so if they end up together and, and Becky has no problem with them you know being together forever that she you know She's like good with that, you know, and, and she realizes that when the while they're working at movies, you know, so it's like, <clears throat> so this is like the perfect woman for Dante and, and, Randall's and really. Randall, yeah, yeah, they're a <laughs> right.
2: Well, what makes her and her work with Randall, I think, is just as a boss, she doesn't take a shit, and, yeah, exactly. and she's present. Yes. and she helps reel him in, and it's like, but she at the same time she's not saying don't be yourself. She's just saying reel it the fuck in. Yes,
0: yeah, yeah I also didn't really get the impression that Randall really disapproved of Emma. He just had a weird thing with watching them make out. Yes. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, he he was he was just he didn't understand how third of a wheel he was being.
0: Right. Yeah.
2: For him it's uncharacteristically naive to him just be sitting there watching them make out.
0: Well, his character did really take a huge step back in yeah. this movie. Well,
2: it, before it took took a step forward, but yeah. A lot of steps forward, I think.
0: Oh, uh, I don't know. Again, this is a topic that we're going to discuss later, but yeah. in The First Clerks, Randall wasn't stupid. He was lazy and he was abrasive, but he was not a stupid person. In Clerks too, is Randall he? is outright stupid at various I, points I in the movie. I don't think he's
3: stupid. Unaware of things, Una- unaware,
0: naive to the point
2: <laughs> of. Why na- would say willfully ignorant?
3: Willfully ignorant, and then but he does realize. It takes him a while, but when he realizes, then he goes. But but I think the you know, he, he doesn't mind playing the third wheel. And I think Becky's the first one that doesn't mind him being the third wheel.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's fair. All right, that's a fair assessment. Uh, but we'll come back to um, Randall's... And Becky's
3: played by Rosario Dawson, by
0: the way. Yes, she is. <laughs> we'll come back to uh, the topic of whether or not Randall's character was derailed in a little bit. Um, yeah, I guess that answers how does Dante keep getting women. Um, so my next question is this. Where did this Kevin Smith go? Where did he come from, first of all? And where did he go? Because none of his films after this, like, this is such an outlier, both in the Viewist universe, but also in Kevin Smith's filmography at large.
2: I would say it came from the fact that he had to work so much harder to make this one happen, Uh, because he talks about that in the commentaries. Uh, about how it was the hardest... I mean, he, he had to really sell, I think mainly Jeff Anderson uh, and a bunch of other people on coming back to it. Uh, and he knew it wasn't going to get off the ground if like key people didn't approve of it. Mm-hmm. So I think he had to work it really hard to a point where everyone was like, okay, yeah, I th- I'll do this.
0: Because we got one film to go after this, and that's Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Reboot. Um, reboot. reboot. Yeah, sorry. Jane Silent Bob reboot, which is itself a very different film than all the rest. It's very much a reflection of an older Kevin Smith as well as an older Jason Mewes. I mean, Red State, I never saw a cop out. I guess that would probably be the closest in his filmography that came to this this uh, kind of sense of humor. Mm-hmm. But, but he also what hated I, it. Yeah, and from what I understand, cop out is especially. terrible.
2: The only control he had was in directing of that one, I think. So yeah,
0: um, but yeah, none of his "quote unquote" horror or horror adjacent films have the same kind of vibe. Uh,
3: I just it something have to do with, you know, his because isn't this where the uh, feud with the Weinstein started happening, or with the, you know with. Uh, Harvey taking over his stuff, and he, I said, no, this is where I'm going to go take my stuff out on the road, and produce it myself, so I have to total control. Or is that later? Does that that's happen later? later that happens later?
0: Yeah. Um, I just keep using the word peak, but mm-hmm. that's the only way I can think of it to describe it. Like this is Smith at his peak writing, which the script still has issues, right? Um, and still has a lot of weirdness to it, but. Story-wise, it's better than the previous films. It's his best direction.
3: I agree with that.
0: Best cinematography. It
3: is really good.
0: The cinematography, I had never really paid attention to in the times that I've watched this movie, but it's really fucking good. Mm -hmm. Um, His musical choices, the beats that he takes, all of it is solid, and I just kept... Wondering, especially the farther into the movie I got, where did this go? Why haven't we seen anything else like this from him?
3: I would, I mean, I mean, back, back, him coming back to the view askew universe, you mean, or the, the idea, because Red State, I think, is really tight. Um. And
0: but Red State is a very different... It's a
3: very different movie, yes.
0: For a man who loves comedies and loves dick and fart jokes... Red State's not that. Red State isn't that, <laughs> neither are any of his other yeah. films. Like, this is... He hit his stride here, and I'm just wondering, like, <clears throat> did he do it and he was done? Like, is, can he say that this was his movie? Chris, what do you think?
2: I think you answered your question because there's so much, such different things. He approaches them differently. Mm-hmm. The askew, I think he approaches inherently differently than anything else he touches, mm-hmm. um, just because it's like it's his little universe, his little playground. So he just let, he lets himself run a little more wild than he would on other projects.
3: Yeah, even in his spoken word stand-up stuff, he, he ventures a little out of that bounds too. So I mean, he's st- I mean because he's doing stand-up comedy, he's gonna do the dick and fart jokes and stuff, but but especially after he had his heart attack, you know, um, there's a lot of there's a there's a lot of him saying, Okay, I'm fifty years old or yeah. or I'm um, at this point I guess he would have been what almost forty um with clerks too. He hadn't reached forty yet, I don't think, but I think he was close to it. But uh um I think he was okay. This is my last Dick and fart jokes, you know, specifically, you know, it's like and and I'm going to do it the best dick and fart joke (laughs) I can do. You know,
0: I would just love to see 2006 clerks to Kevin Smith's sense of humor and storytelling sensibilities combined with today's like mature, wizened Kevin Smith. I want to see him make that film, Mm -hmm. that kind of buddy comedy, feel good but still raunchy, but still introspective. With what what he had to say about friendship in this film. Thank you, yes. I'd like to see where else he could take that and yeah. what other themes he could explore. Because, as we were saying earlier, um, this took his love of bromance to its logical conclusion. Yep. This provides context, in my opinion, for all of the other... Yes. Dante and Randall's that we saw. Yep. You know, 2.0, 3.0, Bartleby and Loki, um, Brody and T.S., Banky and Holden. The way that Dante and Randall's relationship is so cleanly defined in this film yeah. gives context to all the rest of those.
3: And and you get a verdict. You know, you get that, that last moment, you know, them almost breaking up. You know, you get a verdict of why... These bromances have been written this way, or have been performed this way, and it's like, oh, okay, you know, it's like we we understand now. We understand why the, there's this version of the character, and then we have we understand now why there's this version of, you know the the two mm-hmm. people in it, and why they do each other what they do for each other and how they are with each other that is wow i don't want to hear I, about I missed the fa- word <laughs> i don't want to
0: hear about your fan fiction but
3: but no just the idea that we we, we get we get the conclusion we get the uh, we we get the understanding of why he created these types of characters mm-hmm. you know they're fleshed out and uh, where they're lot, they're very stocky you know, in, in the sense, you know, they're stock characters and their archetypes, you know, earlier, but now we get the full-formed Dante and Randall, and mm-hmm. uh, they actually have conclusions, and, and I really enjoyed that.
0: Curveball question, Chris, what's better, Lord of the Rings or Star Wars?
2: (laughs) There's only one return, and it's of the Jedi, not the king.
0: This has always bothered me about this movie, that Kevin Smith takes so much time to espouse his opinions on Lord of the Rings when...
2: And it is, I mean, if you're ever curious, it is his opinion, or at least it was at the time, because if you go watch The First Evening with Kevin Smith, yeah. he does that bit that Randall does mm-hmm. about walking the ring, <laughs> answering a question. Yeah. It, this seems
0: to, this that whole argument seems to exist solely so that he can make, he could have that one Lord of the Rings fan throw up <laughs> yeah, he lets, for no apparent reason. Yeah, he lets them reason. take
2: their pot shots. <laughs> And, but then he ends it with yeah he ends it with upsetting a Lord of the Rings fan so much that he pukes yeah yeah <laughs> and Randall's so proud of
3: it. <laughs> it.s
0: that part of the movie has always been so fucking nonsensical to me. Like yeah uh, old- pop culture references and pop culture criticism I get are part of the view of SkiwUnivers. but just the fact that he made fun of Lord of the Rings so hard, a guy threw up. <laughs>
2: The only the only reason I, I the only reason it makes sense to me is that it's just another thing that Elias loves for him to shit on.
0: Mm-hmm. That and Transformers.
2: Yeah. Oh God. I, do we are we talking about Elias? Because
3: poor I, Elias. <laughs> uh, because uh, he just uh, really hasn't come up yet. Okay. Because again, poor Elias. <laughs> um, but the idea that you know I was talking earlier about how. These characters are fleshed out for the first time. They're, you know, they've got meat on their characterizations. You know, even Jay and Silent Bob have moments of vulnerability and, and, well, they've earned those over like five films. Exactly. Uh, But for me, Elias is the first original character that he writes complete and fully fledged out right from moment one, you know, so. Arguable
2: because. And he has the most distinct arc. I don't know that he's mm, fully fleshed out. I would but he, not. But he is sympathetic. He, he is sympathetic, sympathetic
0: yes. but he also exists solely to be the butt of jokes. He is. I wouldn't call that a complete uh, and fleshed out uh, character.
3: We, that on the surface, I might agree with you that he's there for the butt of jokes. But the thing is, is what he, what he allows Randall to go through. And then we get him to the end of the movie where he's at the donkey show. and And he goes through that whole... I'm um, uh coming out process and uh he and, smoked and two blunts. He smoked two blunts and,
0: and drank what appears to be a beer. He,
3: yes. And uh we've has, seen you coming, do this. Yes. He has, he has <laughs> this coming of age moment and and he and he's already and I was talking to Chris about this about how how instantaneously he's become part of the familial group of these central characters in the view askew universe and he, and he's the one well with the exception of Rosario Dawson, he's the one that does it the quickest, you know, and, and you know, becomes
2: part of that group. Well, they've um, been working but, with him for a year, so. Y- y- yes. And I think the
0: biggest we, argument against that is if we had made it to the end of this episode and had never once mentioned Elias no one would be surprised. And if, if at the end, Chris had gone, Oh wait, we never talked about Elias. Oh, you're right. We never
3: I think,
2: did. I think Elias. All right. Well, is one thank you for
3: He's ever written that he, Kevin Smith has ever written. That, I really,
2: I really, a I really do believe that. that is He is basically Randall's little brother that he bullies I, constantly.
3: Yeah. But his character arc is as that much gets, as we've talked about how badly, you know, like joy, Lauren Adams is written or, you know, or, uh, that, uh, Uh, Jason London was written or that Jeremy London well it's Jeremy um, that Jason Lee was written at the beginning you know it's like what he was able to give Elias what okay let's say it's the most well-performed introductory introduced character because whoever the actor is just makes Elias so sympathetic and he's the one we first I believe he's one of the first characters that Especially male characters in Kevin Smith movies that we instantaneously we do sympathize with, we do like, uh, and it's like, yeah, I like him, but he's still a dork. But he might be yeah. a dork, but he's honest in his dorkdom, and he grows from his dorkdom. You know, and it's like, and he's a dork, like we're dorks. You know. Now, well, I let you because I let you, we
2: have those arguments. I let about you the say all that and returning. move some goalposts, like, just so I can say this. <laughs>
3: But no, come on. It's like
2: hold on, let Chris. <laughs> you talk. Too I long, love it's Elias. You not, ta- no, he, no, go ahead. It's, he talked too long. It's gone now. <laughs> yeah, I win.
0: That's not how you win an argument, bud. <laughs> no, no <laughs> I mean.
3: In today's climate, maybe it is. But oh, uh, <laughs> well, this,
0: this ain't Facebook. <laughs> but
3: but, uh, but yeah, I I think Elias is. A, is wonderful.
0: He He's a, a fun character, yes, and the actor, whose name I can never remember, is very Trevor, good. In Trevor world. something. I can't yeah.
2: remember
0: his last name. Uh, Trevor something. <laughs> <laughs> it's a well-written, well-performed role for what it is, but is it
3: groundbreaking in any way? I, no. Okay, I, of course it's not groundbreaking, because it's that, like you said, the bullied best friend, you
2: know? Oh, I'm sorry. I that. remember now. I let you say all that because uh, I just wanted to bring up that essentially... <laughs> um Elias' arc is fuck pillow pants. Yes. But that's okay. Yeah, Again, and pillow
0: I mean, pants. If an if you define a character arc as they are different at the end than they are in the beginning, but part of that arc is just because they got drunk and high, that, that's not really a character arc. But but he That's makes, a character getting drunk and high. He
3: makes choices that, to get drunk and high. Well yes, but to to go from one point in his existence. To grow from that because of things he's learned and taken on from this group of—and and you're going to disagree with this, but I really think oh, this yes. group of people have this really true sense of love for each other. So it's like—and and, and Elias has become part of that fami- family group, We're- and— I don't think they can exist with each o- without each other.
2: Well, negative experiences bond people faster than positive ones. And, and you can tell how fast they had to bond because of working in that fucking movies, which and, is clearly not, not a moneymaker. The donkey show
3: not being exactly what they that thought it movies was That movie is be.
2: clearly not a moneymaker. We'll get there, though.
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: You...
1: Oh your, man,
0: your love for Elias just—I <laughs> think it derailed me and Chris's train of it's thought. But I'm also
3: entirely. a Return of the Kings fan. Or, I mean, a uh, uh, Lord of the Rings fan. So oh, it's like I would have been probably saying one ring to rule them all. I am too. <laughs> and yeah. when he does that, when when Dante proposes, he does one ring will rule them all, and I was like, yes. And like, I would probably been cast as Elias if I was up for that we, uh,
0: cast. Hell, <laughs> you are Elias again. <laughs> I have I'm watched you, you smoke a joint and drink a beer and act a fool. <laughs> now, thankfully, you've never jerked off in as a public as place as know. far as I know.
2: Wasn't he sobbing <laughs> while he did it? Too? Yes, he yes. was sobbing and while jerking off and saying, I'm God. sorry. you saying, sorry, Jesus. That's right. I'm sorry,
0: Jesus, while he cried and jerked off. Yeah, that's a good character. It's
2: very arc. funny. <laughs> it's very funny. And, and I, I did point out to Stan, I think, I mean, it's funny that Randall and Elias' uh, relationship is also, it just kind of seems like a nice little also inside joke, because I pointed out that um, in around 2002, I think Smith produced um, a movie that Jeff Anderson wrote and directed called Now You Know, and Jeff Anderson gave himself basically a side role, and, and the actor who played Elias was his best buddy in the movies, and that was kind of the... And he was playing like a character that was completely different from Elias, and they were just, uh, they were, they were, they had their side bits as characters, and so basically they had, they they, they came, they recreated that friendship differently uh, in Clerks. And
3: Elias is the one that completely makes um, (laughs) Randall speechless. Is it he so does dizzy? leave Randall
1: speechless. That is only
2: true. because he's, he's waiting, dumbfounded. He's waiting to hear everything about Pillow Pants sure. so he can go out and tell Dante all sure. about it. But yes. the thing is, in front of customers, it, it literally shocks him. It, it truly does. Yeah. <clears throat> because that point in the movie when Elias speaks is supposed to shock everybody.
3: We're, we, we may be just throwing, because we're now talking about specific moments. And so. But these are truly, truly great setup scenes. They're really well done scenes, and and the jokes are new for Kevin Smith in this sense. And and the characters that are supposed to be the straight men are aren't necessarily the straight men, and so it's like the person that's supposed to be the funny guy in the sense of uh, Randall is the one being dumbfounded by by the comments and so it's really interesting change of course for him
0: yeah it's the one time where randall and the audience are on the same page <laughs> yeah <clears throat> because we're all when when elias starts talking during that scene we're all going what the
2: fuck <laughs> is pillow pants? randall's got nothing to say because what can you say to them yeah exactly
0: <laughs> And listeners, if you haven't seen the film but for some reason you've hung on this long and you don't know what pillow pants means, we're not going to explain it. Just watch the movie. Do do yourself a favor. Um
2: It is, it is because really the funny well done. part is pillow pants isn't the real punchline it's exactly. Lister Fiend.
0: <laughs> oh, Lister Fiend. All right. So, it is really funny. <clears throat> now, our penultimate topic is Leonardo, New Jersey, some kind of weird blip in space and time where work days are all 12 <laughs> hours long and there's no transition between yes, night and I, day. I
2: pointed this out because Dave missed it. They clock in at 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. and do prep after that. And the store presumably, I would presume, opens at maybe 8.
0: Yeah, see, this was going to be my argument before you pointed out that you can see them clocking in at 7 a.m. They got there. Yeah, My thinking was that they got there no later than 9 a.m. since Mm -hmm. they were doing breakfast prep. But if they clocked in at 7, they are there all day until closing. And this is just like in Clerks where Dante... Well, Randall comes in late, but Dante is there at seven o'clock in the morning to open the quick stop and doesn't leave until well after nine o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. Now in Clerks 2, Dante and Randall show up at movies at 7 a.m., stay there until close and then are still there throughout the donkey show.
2: Close presumably being Hmm. for, which is weird for a fast food restaurant, I would, I, I estimate it at around 9 p.m. That's because, because for the, for it to have been that, I, 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 I posed this to Dave. For it to be that sunny at 7 a.m., I would presume it's in the months where things have sprung forward, Mm -hmm. where clocks have moved forward an hour. So that means that it's lighter until at least it's still kind of light. So that means when when Dante goes off to try and find uh, Becky, it's got to be around 8 p.m.
0: Yeah, because and this is why I bring up the night and day thing. This happens in both films. Yeah, in the first Clerks. Dante and Randall go to Julie Dwyer's funeral in the middle of the afternoon. I think they specifically say like 3 or 3.30 in the afternoon. They are shown leaving the funeral and running back to Dante's car. It is still sunlight. We cut to them getting back to the store, and it is full dark. Now in Clerks 2, Becky runs out of the store and drives away, and Dante starts chasing after her. Randall comes up and convinces Dante to go after her because Kinky Kelly is needs, showing up.
2: Yeah, needs an hour to set up.
0: Yeah. So it is, again, full daylight as this is occurring. The next time we see Dante, it is full nighttime. Yeah,
2: there's a montage of what each character is up to, and Dante is driving around. It's dark, it is completely dark.
0: I am just convinced that Leonardo, New Jersey is some sort of weird hellhole.
2: Like it was somehow transported away from like Alaska?
0: <laughs> yeah, like there there is no sun setting. The sun is there and then it's gone. And God help you. <laughs> just God help you if you live in Leonardo, New Jersey. You're going to work 12 to 14 hour days, seven days a week, and you're never going to know when it's night or day.
2: The only thing that I can say in, in the favor of the timeline is... They could have presumably supposed to have been stayed open later, and then they just closed for the donkey show. But again, because he was uh, Dante was leaving the next day. But so. again, again, uh, as you pointed out, they opened for them right. to be there right. past like twelve hours is insane.
0: Okay. This is there are four employees total at this <laughs> I movie. Think five, isn't there? Uh, wait. No, it's no. Dante and Randall who are there, Elias, open to close. Becky, Elias, and Becky. You're right who both show up like a mid-afternoon shifts.
2: Yeah. They're the, they're they're technically the second shift.
0: Yeah. But again, how how do you run a fast food restaurant
2: with four people, especially when two of them run off in the middle of the day to go go-karting?
0: Yeah, exactly. Or when they're all frequently going outside to have arguments uh-huh. with each other.
2: Again, they're not making this like this must be corporate owned because it's not it's it's even though it's in a place with high traffic and they had presumably have a lunch rush at least they don't have any sort of other l- rushes apparently
0: yeah i like how their lunch rush in the film also is treated <laughs> like like they're in the weeds when it is a couple and two guys that is their lunch yeah. rush
2: and um presu- well presumably other people had been in but because there were people sitting down but i like again also and becky was already pissed you know because elias can't fry fries <laughs> You yeah. left me all alone. I yeah. the the concept of how this movie operates and stays open is a mystery.
0: It is baffling, <laughs> and the 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 concept of how Leonardo New Jersey operates is yes. baffling to me. All right. Well, in the original notes that I took and sent to these guys, that was our last topic. But the more I thought about it, and the, the more Zara Dawson. No. Oh, the more it occurred to me that you, you cannot talk about this film without talking about that scene. And I'm not talking about the oh. donkey show. Oh, okay. The jail? I'm, huh? The jail? No. <laughs> there are two scenes that this movie is remembered for, and Maybe. one of them is the donkey show.
2: Well, there's three, because there's also the tuck.
0: Oh yeah, I forgot about. Well, we mentioned briefly the we, goodbye horses scene.
2: We did, but uh, yeah, it's a oh. it's a full homage to uh, to uh, Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, is that my surprising?
0: Um, I'm talking about <clears throat> Randall's racist tirade. Well, and this is what I was saying when I was talking about character derailment.
2: Technically, it's more ra- Randall finds out his gra- realizes his grandma's <laughs> racist. Um,
0: yes, he finds this out by being full-on racist himself i don't understand the logic of this scene
2: it was semi forgivable up to the point where dante tells him that the phrase he uses is a slur against black people but you know it was confused for randall because his his grandma would say that to him Mm -hmm. when he was being lazy but so the, but then Randall decides, well, I'm going to take it back. And he's like, you can't do that because you're not black. I would say the
0: scene is excusable all the way up until the point where three black people tell him that yep. that phrase <laughs> all right. is racist. And he doubles down by saying, no, the N word is racist. Right. By actually saying the n-word oh, and then said, he, going
2: on to list even more racial he slurs, lists about ten different slurs for black people
0: in full view of three, uh, two black customers and his black manager. Well,
2: what I was saying, what I meant by this scene being okay, as I mean, like the comedic logic of the scene in, yes. in terms of Randall.
0: Yes, even more confusing to me than okay how how stupid Randall has become over the last 10 years and how socially inept he's become is Elias jumping into the conversation by saying, did Randall just call Mr. Dante the N word. (laughs) Okay. There exists a level of stupidity for Randall to be saying this in full view of customers, much less black customers. Elias joining in is just taking this to a whole level of comedic stupidity I would argue, and schadenfreudism.
2: I would argue that it's not him thinking of Randall as being dumb. It's him commenting, oh, in a way, banks basically saying, oh, what horrible thing did Randall do now? He's kind of not numb to it exactly, but he's not surprised.
0: Right. And again, like I was saying, this there's lazy and abrasive Randall. And then there's outright... Using racial slurs in front of black people, Randall. Uh, there's that level of abrasiveness. That is what's. It is a funny scene, uh, in spite of itself. But it's still because boggled. of Wanda Sykes. It's yeah. I mean, the only reason this scene and works earthquake. at all, and earthquake. Yeah. yeah, is earthquake and Wanda Sykes, and also uh, Jeff Anderson's performance. Uh, Jeff Anderson's
2: performance. You can't taste racism. <laughs> you can't yeah, taste
0: racism. <laughs> I mean, it is always that scene has always just been baffling to me.
2: I, I understand what you're saying, but I think at least the logic to me is that is that Randall has quantified, like he quantified it in that. Well, one, this one doesn't seem racial to me because my grandmother said it to me, but the other ones are because he knows they're offensive and about, and about black people. Mm-hmm. So he's like. Here so I was like so he's arguing like no I didn't cross a line because I've quantified these are the thi- these are the horrible things and he doesn't say them and the movie doesn't use them in a way to just oh we're getting away with them Randall is almost and I'm not trying to I'm not making a diagnosis here but it's almost an almost kind of like a an Asperger's kind of way where it's like he he has a rigid definition of where he is in terms of crossing the line here and he he feels he hasn't Mm-hmm. And and, and then fact, he realizes, and then no, he doesn't. Well, of, that's the thing? Sort of. Well, no, sort of. It comes right. He 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 wants to try and take it back. Yeah. But and Dante's trying to tell him, "It's like you're a white guy. You don't get to do that." Essentially. Mm-hmm. And then he's arguing. Well, it's like what you're saying. I can't do it because the color of my skin. You're the racist. Yes. <laughs> yes. Again, I think Randall is just hard, so hard programmed to be a dick, dickish contrarian that. He just goes in that direction immediately.
0: Yeah, it still just feels like character derailment for the sake of the joke. Eh. In my opinion.
2: Now, and it does set up the end too. To in, to be in a way. fair, it is I it may be the most horrible thing he does.
0: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> by and far. Yeah.
2: It is it is. But quite- Dante still has his back.
1: Eh. Well. But
3: but the fact that he's leaving, that means he doesn't have his back. So that's why I'm saying that it connects to the end when, when
2: uh
0: um, I don't think it connects to anything no. other than uh, we get to get a brick
2: joke no, out of it but the idea I will say there is a there, you're right there is meant to be a level of Randall's being very dumb about yes. this yeah. be, but it's it's not so much uh, I don't think it's stupidity it's just dumb in the sense of hard headed uh, obst- obstructionism you know it's just because like, yeah. he because he, he, Randall loves playing devil's advocate and devil's advocate people will argue shit like this all the fucking time and he gets a whole new
3: respect for Becky, you know, because, you know, Rosario Dawson's character just goes off on him. and, mm-hmm. and, and As and she respect. should. As yes, a, yeah. yes. As a, a woman of color and or
2: mixed race and a manager. Uh, you
3: yeah. know, so it's like she ha- she has she gains she gains more respect from him. And then so when he when he's confronting Dante at the end, it's like he is the only person that would consider Randall a friend. And, you know, and said, you're the only one. I can't. I'm too old for the friend thing anymore. And nobody would want
2: me as a friend. I hate especially people. Especially if
0: they came to movies it, on that except, particular day. Except,
2: especially. But, yeah, but Dante stays with The it. only reason he didn't get fired on the spot is specifically because she she can't afford to be down another right. person. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's the sort of logic that only exists in movies, because realistically, Randall would have been fired immediately. If not
2: then, then later when he puts the sign on his shirt on the back of <laughs> Yeah,
0: so I don't know. You probably read this story as well. So, listeners, again, if you haven't seen this movie, you should understand what we're talking about. But right. again, if you've made it this far without knowing what we're talking about, go to YouTube and just type in three words. Clerks to porch. Yes. And stop there. There you go. And watch this scene. Um, you probably read this as well, Chris. But um, Jeff Anderson was the oh, house it, he was staying. It was in, in the
2: commentary. He was in a day's in that you can actually see from the restaurant. Yes, yeah.
0: as he was walking to the walking off the set one day, he was still wearing his costume, <laughs> which he had written this racial slur on the back of. Walking home, and he said that a couple of nights when he would wear this costume home
2: because he, he would forget, he wouldn't he would take forget it on he yet.
0: had it on. He'd be like, Man, people in New Jersey throw more bottles than I remember.
2: <laughs> and he'd get back and realize, Oh no, oh <laughs>
0: uh-huh. no, uh, but yeah, that, that scene has always been jarring to me for that reason because uh, it's just a new level to sink to the, for really. the
2: only reason it works at all in the movie is giving it to a guy like Jeff Anderson who Kevin Smith trusts will. Do it the way it, it will work the best,
0: and also having earthquake and uh, Wanda, Wanda Sykes too. there to bounce off of.
2: Yes, hundred percent. The
0: only two actors who Kevin Smith has ever allowed to completely improv their scene. Yep. Which was a good call because they're brilliant. Baby, so,
2: baby, the judge said you can't be hitting <laughs> people like that. <laughs>
0: um, does anybody have any more final thoughts on um, on Clerks two? Stan?
3: I, I I think um we we have one more VSQ movie to talk about, but um for all intents and purposes I think Clerks Two was the was the ultimate story for him and it should and, have and, and been told. Yeah. Um and, and I'm a I'm a fan of uh, reboot but but I think it's just for them to revisit uh, yeah. James, with their newfound friendship after all the sh- stuff they went through, and and I and I think it just gave Jane and Silent Bob a new thing. Um, but the idea that Clerks Two, I think, is the view askew universe, like you said, the the peak of the universe, the the where we want wanted the universe to go and what we wanted to see happen with with the characters in this universe, you know, and, and like you said, the it's, you know, it's the bromance 1.0, 2.0. It's all of the bromances together is represented by Dante and, uh, uh, Randall. So the idea that they come to this point, I think is a beautiful way to end the mythos mm-hmm. of the viewisk universe.
0: Clerks 2 is the climax of the viewisk universe and Jay and Silent Bob reboot is the Mall. And Chris, what are your final thoughts on Clerks too?
2: I think ultimately, especially at the end when when Randall and Dante fully talk things out, um, I think it, I think you're right. It is very much uh, the ultimate thing that he that he wanted that he probably saw in his head when he was first making the first Clerks. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, and I think I think it's a very touching scene, or it's touching depending on whether or not you. Buy it. I mean, because I'm sure some people, maybe after everything that happens in the movie, could get to a point where they don't trust it coming from Randall. But yeah, I do. I and I, I, I I love it, and I get why I Randall's it. scared. Randall's a guy. Randall. It's illustrated in the Lance Dodd scene, where the whole point is, Randall's never been worried about the fact that he was a clerk or working in fast food the the idea that that other people view his station in life as a low one never bothered him, because he had everything he needed to be content,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and not just content, but be to honestly even though he comes off as a misanthrope, happy to, with where he's at. Um, and so he's, God, he's there. so he so he never exp- of course he never expressed it until f- until finally at the end of the movie. But he's just terrified of the fact of what is my life without Dante? Mm-hmm. He's like Dante really is like the rock of of his uh, of a lot of his world. Yeah, um, as a really good friend is. Yeah.
0: Mm. It's and, the cornerstone of his foundation.
3: Yeah, and 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 I have to, um and we probably don't need to talk about it, but. The idea uh, that the happiest I've ever seen a Kevin Smith character ever be is in the go kart scene. Yeah. yeah, we see Randall and and Dante riding around in go karts, and the, fa- the face Jeff Anders the face that Jeff Anderson has and is expressing in the and and just the ultimate joy. This is Randall at his most vulnerable, and just you know. This is what makes me happy. Mm-hmm. I'm driving go-karts with my best friend and just just the face he has and it's, it's not actor, you know, character happiness. I think there's a
2: joy in Jeff Anderson at this point. I think yeah. a lot of people miss the point when missed the I know, maybe maybe it can seem like it but I think a lot of people miss the point that Smith was trying for uh with the ending which was i mean he says they were they were always at their happiest at the quick stop because yep. it was just it was it was you know the work was drudgery in a way but it was the companionship that they thrived on yeah and it's illustr it's that point's meant to be driven home early by confronting lance dodds yeah. and dealing with the fact' it's like oh yeah no he's super successful he's great and it's like but the but the point is like yeah but he's
0: a petty dick.
2: He's a petty dick who wandered into a fast food place to dump on people who aren't doing as well,
0: mm-hmm. or he viewed as less than him.
2: Yeah, he's. I mean, is that the actions of a happy person? <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's like. And then the point was, it's like, yeah, it doesn't matter where you are at financially or socioeconomically. It's like if you find what makes you happy and makes you want to keep going then you're where you can can be. You don't have to feel like you're missing anything. Yeah. And you can walk next door and be with your best friend. Yeah. But I understand why people think the other way.
0: Yeah. Well, before we uh, wrap up, I'll just say one last thing, which is that near the beginning of the film, there is a very prolonged conversation about whether or not you should ever go ass to mouth. (laughs) Guess what literally happens during the donkey show?
3: (laughs) And so, guess which character is in total favor? Uh,
0: guess which member of this podcast has probably seen a fucking donkey show <laughs> right over here. Stan, if people want to reach out to you online, where can they do that at?
3: Uh, I, I'm, I'm at Facebook somewhere, and I, I guess I'm the, the Stan Lee on Facebook. So um,
0: Yeah, you're the only one, bud.
3: So, which is unfortunate, but I
0: am now. Chris, if people want to reach out to you online and they don't want to get somebody else's Twitter handle, where can they find you at? <laughs>
2: Uh, I'm on, Well, you've buried the lead there, didn't you? <laughs> yes, I'm, I have. On, I'm on Twitter. Uh, I'm on to you. Mm, I wasn't going to do that this time.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I was, but I'm on Twitter, which is basically the equivalent of the uh, internet kiosk with the filter disabled <laughs> that <laughs> Randall uses in the movie uh, at Chris the Okay.
0: All right. And if you want to follow me online, you can do that on Instagram at DB Hensley. If you want to find out more about Long Walk Productions, you can visit us online at longwalk.us. You can see more of our original work on our YouTube channel and also listen to our backlog of episodes. The links to both of those are in the show notes. Uh, if you enjoy this show, please make sure to leave us a rating and a review on whatever platform you are listening on. So thank you very much for listening.
2: Peace out. Yo, let's hurry this up so I can get my cow tipper on. <laughs>